Coming up on today's episode, we break down the big win Saturday night in Edmonton, plus look ahead to a pair of games against the Blues and Red Wings. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, before we get into the hockey talk, obviously some unfortunate and sad news surrounding Rick Bonus and his family. I'm sure everybody saw it, um, but his wife is dealing with a medical matter. So Rick Bonus is going to take some time away from the team. Uh, just want to wish the best and sending all our positive thoughts to uh, Rick Bonus and his family during a very difficult time. So all the best, Bones, and um, hopefully we see you soon, but take your time as well. No rush. Um, having said that, though, CGOB's Tyson Rewicki joining us here once again to break down a big result for the Jets over the weekend as we uh, begin to wrap up October already. Tyson, uh, what's what's going on here? Uh, not too much, you know, just the, the the weekly fantasy withdrawal, whatever you want to call it. Not feeling great, but yeah, well, no one cares, so we don't have to get into it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, don't have to yeah. get into it. Let's... <laughs> uh, instead of how bad your fantasy football acumen is, why don't we test out your trivia a little bit here, Tice? This is just a, this is just a one, just a one for one. All right. Um, okay. but I don't know if you saw, or if anybody here listening saw on Twitter earlier today, but the NHL kind of unveiled its new, I guess, innovative stat technology. Um, NHL edge is what it's called. It's that tracking data where there's, you know, chips and stuff embedded in the player's equipment and the puck and all that. Uh, so we got a glimpse into some in-depth stats regarding NHL players and teams and all that stuff. But my trivia question is, Tyson, who has reached the highest top speed in the NHL this season? I'll give you you one hint. I'll give you one hint. It's not Connor McDavid. I'm just going to throw out a wild guess and say Rasmus Kupari. Bingo! (laughs) I saw it. I saw yeah, it. I saw that I oh, really? Did you? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, at least he got that over fantasy. But I mean, I knew the guy was fast, but that's crazy. <laughs> like, I didn't think it was that, that fast. Crazy. I mean, he, he moves great, but he's uh, he's kind of quickly becoming everybody's, you know, favorite new jet. And he's uh, ingratiated himself uh, quite nicely with his new team, but pretty neat. You know, you got Velarde when he comes back, being the defensive consciousness on a top line. Alex Iafalo is now on the top line in the meantime because he's playing so good. And we acquired the fastest player in hockey for P.L. Dubois. And a second round pick coming our way from Montreal, too, on top of it. So eat it. Uh. All right. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully Velarde gets back in the lineup, though, pretty soon. Yeah, probably not tell. Hey, I mean, if we get him back in November at any point, that's going to be a win. But 
early December too yeah. wouldn't be too bad. And uh, thankfully for the Winnipeg Jets, the panic button was pushed off to the side a little bit. No more alarm bells for the time being. Are they being pushed and rang in Edmonton? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, our buddy Ross Cook literally texted us a panic button Sunday morning after the game on Saturday night. So it's it's not going super well in Edmonton. Uh, but good news for the Jets, obviously. Coming through with an OT win late Saturday night in Edmonton. And I guess let's let's get into that, Tyson, before we look at the week ahead for the club. Because it's interesting in two ways, that that hockey game. One, the massive difference, even though it's one point, but the massive difference between two and three and um, one, four, and one, it just it, it feels like it's a mountain of difference, even though the, the standings are relatively the same there. Um, but that might have been a game where once the final result comes in, you go back on your Twitter timeline and you start deleting tweets because about 10 minutes in, Myself included, I think a lot of people were going, "Oh boy, is uh, is that Celebrini kid gonna look good in uh, red, white, and blue <laughs> next year?" It went from that to playoffs are back, baby. We're only a couple <laughs> of points out. Like it, it was a ugly, ugly, ugly start, and then a pretty, a, a pretty solid performance the rest of the way home for the Winnipeg Jets, and the at the very least, a gutsy win on the road, in a tough barn against uh, what was shaping up to be a good team going into the year. Uh, But at the very least, a desperate team, and the Jets get it done to pick up win numero dos on the season. Yeah, no, I was, I I was, I missed the first period. I was working in the Bomber game, so I wasn't able, I mean, go blue, obviously. Go blue. Clint's go west again, but. But yeah, I did. I wasn't. I wasn't watching the first period. And I just checked on my phone like right after like nine fifteen, and I was like, "Oh no, is it already!" And then I saw a power play was coming up too. That I checked again, two nothing. And then you're looking at Twitter and you're seeing old breakaway save, and it's like, "Oh my gosh, this game's about to just completely collapse." But it was. It ended up being those saves by Hellebuck in the first that kind of turned the turn the tides a little bit and in the second period they, they, it was a much stronger period for sure for the Jets and they you know you got you converted on your chances and then you know Helly kind of did what Helly does kind of he kept them in the game they had a couple chances that when when the Jets way a couple bounces were in like earlier in the season they weren't really getting those bounces so it's nice to have a nice to have a game kind of bounce your way a little bit because realistically they could have an extra two wins on the season this one maybe you know maybe things are starting to balance out a little bit here. Yeah, yeah. Even early on, right? Like the the, the Jets were unfortunate. I mean, Calgary should have been a point at the very least. So I mean, yeah. Look at the two Alberta games. Maybe they even themselves out in in, in that sense a little bit. Um, but it was it, it again kind of one of those odd games to break down because they were just so god awful in the fr- it was just so bad, and it, it it should have been it could have been game over if Edmonton was a little more opportunistic on the chances that they did create. But uh, I'll tell you what, Tyson, there was a lot of concern on Hellebuck's numbers going into the game, even more so after the first two goals. People wondering, like, oh, we got eight years left on on, on Hellebuck here in Winnipeg. <laughs> like, we knew the last couple were going to be bad. Please don't start this too early here. But that was just... The classic Connor Hellebuck game. And we've seen that so many times here in Winnipeg. 
where he gives up a bit of a softy or a weak goal early on in the game. And then it's just like light switch. He went from, it went from off to on. And it's just like, all right, that's your last one of the night. Enjoy that one because if we get if we get three, it's game over. And he's got this. It, it, I don't know how many goalies in the league are like that. Like even the top ones, where they can just mentally they go into a different place after a weak one goes in on them. And and maybe it's the fact that it happens early on, and you're you're pissed off at yourself, and then you say, okay, no more. Like that that's the last one. But he does that all the time. And he, he saved the Jets after that. I mean, he was all over the ice on that power play goal. Not his best work there. But the rest of the way through, Tyson, like you said, two breakaways in the first period right after that. And then just locked down Heli Stellar the west, rest of the way through. Again, a nice reminder of, oh, yeah, that's why we pay that guy a lot of money. And that's why Vesna goaltending is the ultimate trump card in the NHL. Yeah, that's exactly why you keep him on a long-term deal in Winnipeg because he is a game-changer. He's one of the few goalies who's legitimately a game-changer. And I thought it was really – his after-hours interview was really interesting. It was, a, it, was really, it was a really good interview. And even just saying how – you know, he's like, I'm not an athletic goalie at all. He's, I'm, not, I'm not, but in my opinion, those guys make up crazy athletic saves because they're not in position. And while, you know – I don't totally agree with that, but Hellebuck is that goalie where he doesn't rely on his on his athletic movements. He's just always in a really good spot to make the save. There's some goalies where, yeah, you're in position on the first shot, but it's about those second and third chances where you're putting your body, where exactly you you're expecting the puck to go, and that just that's a Connor Hellebuck's high a uh, high uh, hockey IQ, and that's just shining through where he can put himself in those positions to make to be in the best position to make those second and third saves. And that's why he's a top three goalie in the league. Yeah. Hey, I mean, he, and this is his words, not mine, but the, uh, the lack of athleticism was apparent on that power play goal where, you know, maybe, <laughs> a maybe a flurry or a Shesterkin can kick right back in and go to the middle of the net there and, and make a stop on it. But it was basically an empty net on a nice pass by Drysaddle back to Bouchard there. But you're, that, that, to me, Tyson, is his most underrated aspect when it comes to goaltending is how smart he is. Like, he just reads yeah. the play, again, outside of that one. He reads the play extremely well. And he's beating shooters to the spot 90% of the time. And that's when goalies can make the game look really easy. And, you know, I, I and it's why I'm I'm pretty optimistic about how that contract is going to turn out but that's how Bobby Lou played like that's that's kind of the blueprint for how Hellebuck can look going into his 30s Luongo was a very 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 effective goalie going into the latter part of his career right and I, I think Hellebuck can follow a similar path there where you know not as many injury concerns no need to kind of overextend and things like that when some of those joints come into play. I, I, I think it's going to work out just well. And that was that was our first vintage Hellebuck performance of the season. So first of many to come, let's hope. And yep, when that first period could have went haywire, uh, Hellebuck stood tall, gave the Jets a chance. They cut the lead. It gets close, and then they just kind of slowly build on that from there. I mean, not, and then even the third period, Tyson, like not the best performance by the Jets 
Um, no doubt about it. I mean, Edmonton, again, probably deserved, if anybody deserved a goal in that final frame, it would have been the Edmonton Oilers there. But I'll just give the Jets credit for this. Time and time again, they give up goals late in games to either fail to go to OT or go to OT and they cost themselves points time and time and time again. A very, very underrated uh, aspect of good teams in the NHL is just getting that loser point locked up and ready to go. And <laughs> lo and behold, the Jets pick up two because of it, but those build as the seasons as the season goes along. So pretty important for the Jets to find a way to, hey, let's just, it's not our A game tonight. Let's push it to OT. And then, I mean, we've seen this team be pretty effective at three on three, especially when you got Morrissey and Shifley out there together at the same time. Great feed by Morrissey there to find Shifley all alone in front and massive, massive result for the team picking up the two points on the night. Now, one thing I do want to get to before we move on to the week ahead, Tyson, maybe one of the lone bits of negativity on the evening, but what do you make of Cole Perfetti's ice time and the decision to staple him to the bench late in the game? Perfetti, at least even strength time on ice, third last amongst forwards for the Winnipeg Jets, just a sliver ahead of Rasmus Kupari, only played seven minutes and 40 seconds of five-on-five time in this one. I mean, it's not ideal. You definitely don't want to see that from your first-round pick from a couple years ago. I I wonder if some of it was a little bit of Edmonton having the big wing, like with the Vander Kane, Warren Fogle, those kind of guys, Zach Hyman too, that he's not going to be in a great position to win some of the – like. He, there's just it's just a bad matchup physically there, and I wonder if that played into it. But it's you see a lot across the NHL too that there's a lot of players, young players, who they're not given, being given a lot of leash. It's kind of just we'll throw you in if you don't kind of if you don't perform the way that we expect a number two center or a number two winger to perform, then you're not going to like your ice time because if you're not if you can't score on the second line, then we can't put you. Because where are you going to put Perfetti if he's not scoring? If he's not producing offense, right? You can't put him anywhere in the bottom six, really. So I, I can kind of see it, but at the same time, you really want to make, like give Perfetti a little bit of time to kind of gel a little bit, switching from center to wing already in the season and then going to the bench. It's not great for a, a, his development at this point. So it'll be inter- interesting to see moving forward and then also what his ice time is tomorrow's game or today's game against the blues so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see i think he comes back a little bit the blues might be that game i don't really know what to expect from the blues they are they're kind of a weird team right now that they're two one and one their wins are kind of there's a couple shootouts sprinkled in there so we'll see what the blues do but hopefully we see perfetti kind of get back to that normal usage rate well, I, I, hey, I mean, he only finished ahead of David Gustafson in time on ice, you know, throughout the entire game amongst forwards. That's, I mean, look, I get this is what this is what coaches do. This isn't new. I mean, it's it's pretty much an epidemic around the entire league that, especially older coaches, when it gets to crunch time in the third period, they're just going to shy away from. From putting these guys on the ice. It doesn't make sense to me for a number of different reasons. Uh, and, and really the the primary one being, 
And Perfetti's last shift here came with, looks like, I mean, almost eight minutes left in the third. Eight minutes left. That, that's an insane amount of time when you could potentially win the game. First off, like, I, I'm okay with grabbing the point and going to OT, but also let, let's try to win a hockey game. But the funny thing is, Perfetti's actually a really solid defensive player. Like, if you just took away the age and everything like that, and you just, like, you don't know how old any of these guys are out there on the ice, you'd be like, he's pretty responsible in his own end. The analytics back it up. The eye test backs it up. He is in no way whatsoever a liability inside the defensive zone. And if anything, you could say that he's actually a plus player uh, defensively for the team. So that that's just kind of my reasoning on the whole thing there. It's not... Is he young? Is he this or is he that? He's he can play. He like that. He's he's pretty good at it, and and this is part of giving some of these young guys a chance to develop, right? Like, how are they going to develop properly if they're not put into these situations? So I I, I just don't get it. I, I like it just it, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, I wonder if sometimes. Some, sorry, I wonder if sometimes coaches though, where it's like a guy like Perfetti is expected to put up those points and be a playmaker. If they almost put on blinders to the defensive play and see that the offense is, isn't quite there, so it's like if oh, if you're not producing, then I can't trust, I can't put you out there because then I just can't, I can't put you out there if you're not producing, and it's just blinders for no reason. Cause I, I think that's that's the case with a couple players on a couple different teams too. Well, oh, I I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, there's a major blind spot, I think, especially on this team when. How many times do we see Kyle Connor out there defending the lead with two yeah. minutes to go when he is quite possibly the worst defensive winger in all of hockey? One of the best offensive wingers, one of the worst defensive ones, though. And we see this team throw him out there time and time again. So I, I don't know. I, I, I don't I we didn't hear the reasoning for it and we're not likely to anyways. But I, I just don't get it. I, I think I think he's fine to throw out there and he's got to learn, too. But. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of learning for him to do. He's going to go out there and you know what? He's made some good plays offensively over the last little bit. It's just interesting too, Tyson, that how, how quickly this team has gone from in the off season, we drafted Cole Perfetti to be a centerman. We're going to give him that chance on the second line in a really important part of the team. He gets two and a half games, three games down the middle, then demoted over to the wing then demoted to the bench for the final seven and a half minutes of the game. There's a pretty clear path that it's going right now, and I wonder why why it's kind of devolving pretty quickly here for Perfetti when, sure, he hasn't been, you know, lighting the world on fire like some of us might have hoped, but I, I think he's just been quietly pretty solid for the Jets, and it's things like this that aren't going to help all that much in the long run when you're trying to build some confidence and get him to be a really important contributor for the team because they need that second line to get going. And it's really only been, I mean, it's only been producing for that, that one game earlier this past week. Well, and he, he's, he's been getting chances too. like their line has been getting opportunities to get on the board. Like even against Vegas, if Logan Thompson doesn't make the save of the year, he's got, he's got a goal there. Like it's, I don't, I don't really think that his offense has been that bad to where it warrants it's, it's confusing to me because at that point, you know, like wouldn't Ehlers kind of be in the same, same situation at that point on the same line. Like, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't really understand why 
he's he gets the short end of the stick there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's obvious he doesn't have the trust of the coach, or else he would have thrown him out there. That's that's the simplest explanation for it. Why the coaching staff feels that way? Would love to know about that. But we'll see what happens with Perfetti's ice time these next couple of games. But starting with the divisional matchup for the club Tuesday night, and that's where we'll kind of wrap up the episode here, Tice. Tuesday against the Blues, Thursday against the Red Wings. You're right. Are the what are the Blues? They're not a team to start the year. Uh, I mean, they haven't scored a whole lot. They had four goals through their first um, first three games, and then erupted by their standards for a 4-2 victory over Pittsburgh Saturday night. I mean, the story for St. Louis early on in the season is they got vintage Bennington back. He's been one of the best goalies in the league statistically. See how long that lasts, but what do you make of the Jets' first matchup against the Blues this season? Well, hopefully the Jets are able to be the team that just cracks Bennington because you know it's coming. You know he's about to have a blow-up, and maybe... I could just see Lowry getting a little bit too close in the crease a couple times and Bennington biting off more than he I would like if, if Lowry and Bennington went at it, that would be that would make my night. It's already a scattered start and they're gonna have the red zone. I don't forget what is it, Frozen Fury or they're calling it on ESPN. The, yeah. So if like with that going on, I think the Jets and Blues game could be a prominent factor in that in that little program, as as they like to say. But uh he's I I just don't know what to make of this Blues team. Like I said, I mean, Kevin, they added Kevin Hayes to kind of supplement the offense. He's got one assist in four games. <laughs> Jacob Rana has been off to a, is a that why, start. Is that why they brought him in? <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, that's who, not going to go well. <laughs> I don't know why anyone would bring in Kevin Hayes at this point, but to each their own. But Verona has been off to a decent start. Sod has just coming off a two goal performance against Pittsburgh, I believe. And yeah, like they're they're a team that could kind of just they they'll have their games where they look like a kind of a bubble team, and then they'll have their games where they look like a team that's just outside the top ten of the draft lottery standings. Like this team is just kind of mid personified, and they're going to go through stretches where they look decent, go through stretches where they don't look so decent. So I I think the Jets can have their way. The defense on the Blues is old is is getting older. They're banged up quite a bit, so I think that they could have a. There's a potential where their four check is a little bit too much for the Blues, but I'm I'm gonna go with a four one. I'm gonna go with a four one Jets win. Predictions, yes, I love it. How about that over under one and a half penalty minutes for Bennington? Over. I love it. I I'd yeah. set it at two and a half, and I'll still go over. Oh, yeah, let's do it. Hellebuck versus Bennington. Center ice. Let's go. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, it's easy to be. It, it's actually kind of amazing that the Blues are only, what are they, two two and two? They got two wins, two losses so far this year. And your goalie has a 960 save percentage. That's <laughs> that's not easy. to t- Generally, when your goalie's stopping 96% of the pucks he faces, you tend to win those hockey games. Um, right now, the Blues, Tyson, dead last shots against, dead last expected goals percentage. I just don't like this team. I, I said before the season started that it's it just it, it just looks like a team that 
they were they were a power four or five years ago. They went on that cup run. And they just got old. Like it's just what happened. So they they haven't you know properly facilitated that transition from. I mean, Petrangelo being swapped out for Justin Falk is probably a, a decent amount of that. Um, but it's I, I'm just not I'm really not scared at all by this Blues team. And you're right. I, I think I, I think the Jets should be able to take advantage of St. Louis in this one. And I mean, look, just don't. Don't play the first period against Edmonton, and it's probably going to be all right. Um, this, and it's always this, interesting this too, Tyson. Team. Oh, so I was just going to say this Blues team is like you're. They're in the stage where you can, they can't totally go rebuild because they were pretty good, pretty recent. But they're good. But they're slowly going like, hey, well, we brought in Kevin Hayes. We're going to be decent this year. That like that everyone in the office knows. Like, oh yeah, this is this is where we start the rebuild. Yeah, yeah, we are very familiar with what uh, what crumbling civilizations look like as we watch the Flyers embark on their rebuild, which, by the way, is officially over now that they sit atop the Metro Division after five games. (laughs) That won't haunt me at all. Um, But interesting, Tyson, how early season results can skew our perception of teams as well. The Blues, like we kind of touched on there floating above the surface at the moment but under the hood things are looking mighty terrifying the red wings right now unless something changed have oh i guess boston right boston's undefeated but the red wings just behind the undefeated bruins in terms of best record in the nhl maybe the story so far the nhl season for them but kind of like st louis maybe a bit of good fortune coming their way so far bottom 10 in those chances for and against categories, but to bring cat and company are they're converted on their chances right now at the very least. And while, uh, while, while Buffalo is definitely sputtering to start the year and Ottawa has been up and down, maybe Detroit's going to grab one of those playoff spots out there in the Atlantic. Uh, what do you make about the Red Wings start so far this year? Well, I think the Red, like with the Red Wings too, it's, it's easy for teams to come in and kind of think that they're just going to roll over the Red Wings because of the past couple of years. And now they have like that elite. They have a couple of players who have the ability to put the puck in the back of the net. And so if you, you come into a game thinking like it's going to be all loosey-goosey, we'll, we'll beat Detroit. Detroit's been a walking mat the last couple of years. You're in for a, for a rude awakening because the Brinka just needs a little bit of room. And he like early season, he's got to be in the lead for – MVP right now, very, very... <laughs> the six game the six games played MVP. <laughs> yeah, the season ended today. Alex Dabrinka would win MVP, but yeah, like I mean, he would technically, but yeah, with Cider too, he's establishing himself as that number one D man. He kind of took a bit of a step back last year, and just to see him kind of take that extra step forward into that upper echelon of D man, and then our boy Shane Gosses Bear too coming. He, he just continues to defy teams who think that he's not good when he's clearly one of the best offensive defensemen in the league. He just, he just is. He, it, there's, there's guys who get paid like Tony D'Angelo is getting contracts still. And I'd say yeah. Ghost is a better, better player than D'Angelo is. So some good moves by Stevie Y. Some moves are still a little questionable on the back end, especially, but 
we'll see how those play out. And then even JT Comfort, another guy that they added this offseason, he's been a, he's been a real nice addition. I maybe the Red Wings are maybe just Stevie Y knows Stevie Y knows all. Yeah, he doubted the Iser plan. How dare you? First off, I'm not sold on the Red Wings. It's it's a great story so far. I mean, I, I, I there's a part of me that kind of wonders: could they be this year's Seattle Kraken, where you can kind of take teams by surprise a little bit? They've been getting really, really good depth scoring up and down the line. Like it's every one of their forwards is contributing, and then Ghost, like you said, on the back end is a point of game right now on their third pair. They're yeah, like they're a tough team to play. I, I would they're like. Um, what were the Senators a few years back? The pesky Sens. Pesky Sens. Yeah, yeah, they're the pesky Red Wings right now. Like you just you you don't you hate playing teams like this because they're just not easy outs. I think that's what the Red Wings are going to be yeah. this year. So we'll see if the Jets can. Uh, we'll see what happens too if James Reimer gets the call. Speaking of nine sixty save percentages, Morina's oh. own is rocking that so far this year. So we'll see if he gets the start at Canada Life Center which has been a house of horrors for him, unfortunately, mostly back when he was with Toronto. And yeah, he saw the red light a little too often for, for, for James Reimer's liking. But but, but the last last game Reimer played was San Jose against the Jets last year when they were in that tailspin. He stood on his head. Remember that game? Yeah. <laughs> he made, like, yeah probably just a Leafs thing. thing. Probably just a <laughs> Leafs thing. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get ready for that one on Thursday night. But look... I mean, with the schedule that they had to start the year, you've got for sure the Rangers in Vegas coming up in this next little bit as well. These aren't these aren't pushover teams. I mean, especially in the Red Wings case, they've been playing really good this year. But oh, it would be really nice to string back to back dubs here. That gives you a little bit of breathing room. And then that, you know, early one and three stumble is kind of in the rear view. You can get back at it after about 10 games into the year. So we'll see if the Jets can uh, pick up a couple more wins, get a streak going, put up a crooked number on the board, and then uh, see where things lie as we head into November. Uh, But that's going to do it for the episode today. Thank you guys for listening once again to Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki with us once again. When we get back at it Friday to close out the week, yeah, you guessed it, recaps of the Jets matchups against the Blues and the Red Wings. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe and have a good time, everybody. We'll talk to you guys Friday morning. Peace.